There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arsblog Arscast right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? I hope you're well. Thank you very much indeed, as always, for being with us. It's got cold here in Dublin this week. Don't like it. Don't like winter. Don't see the point of it. But it is what it is. We're going to have to get on with it. Today we will be talking about our 6-0 win over Lons in the Champions League, which means that we top Group B with a game to spare. Whether that has any impact on what happens against PSV in a couple of weeks' time, we'll have to just wait and see. Uh, but it is nice knowing that we are in the knockout stages, we have finished top of our group, and hopefully results in the other groups mean that finishing top will be favourable. Wasn't there a year where after, you know, season after season finishing second and then getting Barcelona or Bayern Munich, we finished top of the group and still got Barcelona or Bayern Munich? I can't remember which one. It's all sort of condensed, amalgamated into this sort of big bunch of B-bastardness. Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Bayern top of their group by some distance, it has to be said, on 13 points. Manchester United bottom of that group. We might take a moment or two to talk about Manchester United as well after their 3-3 draw against Galatasaray. Who knows, we might even take a moment or two to laugh at Newcastle as well. Before we do that, though, I just want to say thank you to all the people who are sending things my way. Two things specifically. One of them, they're also sending to James which is a video of a magpie trying to peck out the eye of some poor, unsuspecting woman. Poor woman, bastard magpie, as we know. Seven trillion times uh, we've been sent that. So thank you very much indeed to everybody. I think she gets away with it. I don't see any sort of eyeball popping or anything like that. Thankfully, thankfully. The other thing is that Spotify have done their you know yearly roundup and it tells people what they've been listening to, who the biggest artists of the year are, the songs they've listened to most. But of course, a lot of people listen to podcasts on Spotify and it does give them their top five podcasts. It tells them how many minutes. Loads of people sending in their uh, listening stats for the Arscast and the Arscast Extra. Far too many of them for me to reply to individually or to add to my Instagram stories and all the rest of it. So just to take a moment to say genuinely thank you so much indeed for listening, for being with us for another year. It's still not over. We're only just going into December. Lots still to do. But in that sort of weird Spotify niche thing, Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate you being with us all the way through, and hopefully you'll stick with us for a lot more to come. Right, let's get on with today's show, and as we have done throughout this season, we're doing a post-game podcast for the Champions League games, and with me, as ever, to discuss Arsenal 6, Lons nil is Phil Costa. Hi, Phil. Hello, Andrew. Recovered from the, the live blog yet? <laughs> Just about. <laughs> That was one of the more hectic ones, despite being one of the more enjoyable ones. You know, there, there were just goals flying in all the time, looking for goal clips and all the rest of it. I, I do enjoy a game like that, though, where you're sort of chasing your tail a little bit. Because, you know, in those circumstances, in that context, when Arsenal are just banging in goal after goal after goal, there's something rather uh, rather enjoyable about that, isn't there? Yeah, we we were texting during the match and I imagined you like Jim Carrey and Bruce Almighty, just like <laughs> speeding up with each passing minute on the keyboard. Um, yeah, anybody who's written a match report or done a live blog before will know that feeling. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, you can't really complain when we score four goals in 27 minutes. No, so, uh, <laughs> you can't. I'm just glad you were on the match report because there have been some games where, you know, I'm doing both live blog and match report at the same time, trying to get all the clips and the links and all the rest of it. That would have been too, I think my head and hands would have exploded last <laughs> night. So I'm, I'm glad you were there for that. But it was a, you know, a very, very good night for Arsenal. It was one of those where I was talking to people beforehand going, well, you know, I think, uh, I think it would be nice if we could just make this relatively uncomplicated. Uh, Andrew Allen used the word. I hope this is routine. It was a little Mm -hmm. more than routine, obviously, because um, you don't normally score five goals in the first half of a Champions League game. I think I heard somebody say last night that Arsenal are the first team to score five goals in the first half, or first English team to ever score five goals in the first half of a Champions League game. So... You know, based on what we'd seen in the previous game against Lons and all the rest of it, and I will come to our big reveal conversation that we had that sparked the the goal flurry, Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was reason to sort of not worry per se, but you, you have to be cautious about a team that's already beaten you so far in this competition, although, you know, we were at home this time around. I think when we went to Lons, the the context was quite, it was a bit like that Brentford game on the Friday night. You know, that crowd was really up for it and they really um, used that energy to uh, to a great uh, way to, to come away with the win there. Mm-hmm. Um, Mikel Arteta did make a couple of changes from the team that, uh, that beat Brentford. Surprisingly, uh, David Raya came back in and Kai Havertz, got the nod in midfield with Gabriel Jesus starting up front. So it was a strong team. Um, I mean, nothing too much to say about the lineup. I suppose, you know, where we need to start perhaps is is going back to what the manager was talking about pre-game, you know, game state, about scoring early and how that changes the complexion of a game. And we saw that in this particular fixture, a goal after 13 minutes. Yeah, I mean, just to echo kind of what you said, I think to their credit, again, Lens have probably been the best team we faced in this group. And, you know, they'd beaten us at, at their their place and they'd set up again quite well tactically, I thought, early on. But like you said, the early goal just completely changed the game and, and they couldn't recover. I mean, we didn't give them an opportunity to recover. Um, and they had some some nice moments at times with... El Yawahi breaking through and I think Facundo Medina hit the post as well but ultimately this was a breeze and you know can we just play the Champions League music before every game I mean it's like <laughs> who cares if it's Wolves on Saturday get it on those loudspeakers um, <laughs> and I, I find it quite amusing that once again it's it's Europe that provides some respite from the deep block double down style of our opponents in the league where we have to just fight for any and every mm. advantage where I think in Europe, maybe it's been a bit different this season where we've maybe had some some space and some green grass for our players to run into and, and express themselves a bit. And, you know, with Declan Rice as, as the six, we kind of had total control of that middle area, which then allowed our front five to, um, to, to do what they do best, which is attack. And I think it's a really pertinent point that, for once, we were able to start those front five for the first time this season. Does what happened last night, though, if you're another Premier League manager watching this, does that not make you even more determined not <laughs> to give Arsenal any space? Like, you know, if, if you know, for example, if you're Gary O'Neill this weekend, you're coming to the Emirates, Arsenal are in good form. They've just hit six pass lawns. They, um, you know, top of the table, the deep block can be difficult, not just for Arsenal, but for any team. Mm-hmm. And he'll have been maybe watching that game, sitting at home, um, you know, reading his letter from Howard Webb, uh, which is sorry, <laughs> we're so sorry, Gary. But, you know, looking at that and saying, this is what happens if you give Arsenal space, if you give them that green grass to run into. Um, you know, I'm not complaining, obviously, about the fact that we won 6 0. But I do wonder if other Premier League managers are going to watch that game and double down on the tactics that have been deployed against Arsenal for most of this season. Possibly. And I, I tweeted after the game 
that, you know, I hope people enjoyed this one because we're never going to see it again. And everyone was messaging me on Discord <laughs> saying, why would you do that? You know, let us enjoy this. Um, I think in, in the specific case of Wolves, um, I don't think they have the players to play like that, really. I think they're quite wedded to pressing and, and liking a bit of, of possession and, and breaking forward in numbers. I know they have a few suspensions on Friday, but I think it's an obvious thing for, for managers to consider now because all we needed was an inch and we took a mile. You know, that, mm. that was just a clinical first half. It felt like we were going to score with with every attack, with every opportunity that we went forward. And look, Lons didn't help themselves during that first half, but you still need quality to exploit those shortcomings. And we almost felt like a a grizzly bear staggering out of hibernation <laughs> after three months and realizing, you know, holy shit, I weigh 300 kilos and can crush anything. Mm. Um, and, and that's what it was. I mean, it was just a, a vintage performance at home under the lights. And, and, and yeah, it kind of, it took us a little bit to get going, but once we did, it was it was a breeze. And I think that that Havertz header, um, the one just before mm. um, we scored, really set the tone for what was to come. Yeah, I mean, look, he, he has been a player in the spotlight. There's been so much debate and discussion about him. And I think he probably had his best game for Arsenal last night. There was that early header that you, you mentioned. It looped just wide. I think the keeper's done there. To be honest, Absolutely. the way he's standing yeah. there, he's like, uh, that's not a keeper going, I know that's going wide. I'll just leave it. That's a guy going, I can't get there. I hope the fuck this drops to the other side of the post. And of course, he opened the scoring as well. That late arrival in the box, you know, that that thing that he has shown lots of times in his career um, and, and is probably part of why Arsenal decided to bring him in, that anticipation in the box to get on the end of the Gabriel Jesus uh, header. Tommy Asu cross in, uh, went up in the air from a defender. Jesus knocked it down. And Havertz is there, um, smart to score. And, you know, it's two and two now for him. And, and you know, the picture is looking a little bit rosier. Absolutely. And obviously building on, on the Brentford goal with another goal is great. Mm. But what really pleased me was how natural he looked in that position but also the intention with which he played you know it's been a big issue of mine with Havertz throughout his his whole spell in England not just his time at Arsenal is is about how passive his movement can be and how passive his actions can feel but yesterday you know he completed 96% of his passes there weren't any under hit passes that could go either way about making it to a teammate or getting intercepted, which mm. we've seen this season, you know, they were all hit with security and clarity, his movement running into the box. There wasn't any lingering on the edge of the penalty area. There was intention in how he was anticipating the ball, attacking crosses, his perception of where the ball might land was clear to see. And that is what made me happy. Mm. I think, you know, the goal aside, there was a header, obviously, which we spoke about that went just wide moments before. It was him winning the ball, the second ball, for the third goal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, setting Martinelli free before Saka eventually followed in. When Martinelli was running through for the fourth, who's crashing the box with him? Mm. It's Kai Averts, you know? And even the party tricks were coming out with that Cruyff turn in the corner. And I just think this is, this is what you were signed to do. And I've been guilty myself of lacking patience at times as we've had to almost rebuild him and remold this player. But it's also a two-way street, you know, and mm. too many games have passed him by this season. There wasn't enough personality coming through in, in his actions, but slowly we're just seeing signs of that coming through. And more importantly, he looks and feels like a more natural part of this team and you know, the next question now is about, can we take this a step further and see him stamp his authority on a game across 90 minutes, maybe against a deep block? Mm -hmm. Can he look more comfortable in, in tight spaces? Can he find that pass between fullback and centre-back, for example? Can he consistently crash the box to meet crosses and cutbacks? That's what we need more of. But absolutely, there are positive signs to build on here and I'm I'm really pleased for him because I think it's just taken a, a weight off his shoulders. Yeah, no, I think what we're seeing is how precious a commodity confidence 
can be mm-hmm. for a player. You know, we know we talk about it when when it comes to teams. We talk about it when it comes to individuals. You know, we've all watched football a long time. You can see when a player is low on confidence, when they're lacking belief and conviction in in everything that they do. You know, and I think that was part and parcel of what we saw from Kai Havertz. Um, you know, it's still, I think there are things to do and things to prove and to produce on a consistent basis. But, you know, one goal at the weekend, he's back in the starting lineup. He puts in a performance like that. And it is one that is absolutely infused with confidence. You know, that that I, I think that goal that he scored against Brentford was so important, not just because it got us three points, but I think it's a weight off. You know, I know mm-hmm. he scored the penalty, but everyone knows what the penalty was, and he, more than anyone else, knows what the penalty was. It was a lovely moment in that game, but it didn't really matter in the context of that result. It didn't break the the duck of scoring from open play and all the rest of it. And, you know, to see him do that, to, to break the uh, deadlock early on and then kick on as well from there, it wasn't just a case of like, well, my work here is done. You know, he was... He was good all night long. I thought he was very good and, uh, you know, easily his best game. So it's, yeah, it's nice to see. Also, I don't think it's any surprise that after starting this particular front five for the first time this season, he looked more comfortable. Mm. I think Gabriel Jesus is is absolutely key for him. That flexibility, that fluidity between our front line is how we unlock him, right? Or theoretically unlock mm. him because ultimately he needs space to exploit. And what happens when... Jesus plays, spaces appear. So I think this is something we really have to build on. But and like you said, it, it hasn't always been perfect. There are, there are things to to improve, but ultimately we'd like him making these steps then not. Mm. So yeah, encouraging. So look, it's 1-0 and there was a moment when El Yawahi made a brilliant turn on halfway and raced away from William Saliba. And you don't see that very often. It actually happened a couple of times in this game. And I think he's mm-hmm. a he's a player to keep an eye on because you just don't see too many people do that to William Saliba. But Lons are knocking the ball around quite confidently. You know, technically, as we saw in the first game, a very decent team. You know, their mm-hmm. their season last season in France showed you that they're a very decent team. <laughs> and I sent you a WhatsApp saying, mm, Lons are a good side. And you said, mm, been very impressed with them. The best side we've faced in this group by far. And then we scored three goals in six minutes. <laughs> so if anyone's looking for the reason why the floodgates opened, it's down to our WhatsApps. You're welcome, guys. You're welcome. Top of the group. <laughs> we'll, we'll take the, uh, the plaudits however you want. For sure. Um, Twitter, Discord. I'll even take check, PayPal, you know. Uh, everything works. Just not crypto. That don't you know? Never know how that's going to turn out. Um, second goal though comes from Bakayo Saka making a run into their box. And at first, I thought the ball had just kind of squirted across to Gabriel Jesus because he was surrounded by defenders. I think the defenders went, "Aha, we've done enough here." But mm-hmm. Saka very deliberately stuck a foot out, played it to Gabriel Jesus, a little fake, a little shimmy. And then he put it into, you know, the bottom corner. Maybe the goalkeeper could do a little bit better there, perhaps a bit slow to get down. But maybe it was one of those as well where it was so close to his body that it's it's a bit more difficult. But brilliant work from from Saka and Jesus. His goal scoring record in this competition is, is outstanding. It's brilliant and it continues. You know, uh, like you said, the determination from Saka there. I mean, it's his driving run in field that creates the danger. And again, we saw that kind of that move where mm. he he sort of springs off the touchline to collect the ball centrally. And and it's so difficult to defend against him because he's so strong. Um, and just drifting in there, I think it's brilliant composure from Jesus to kind of have the awareness, the presence of mind to sit Kevin Danso down on his ass. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it fools two defenders, uh, to be honest. And the angle's open. I think the speed in which he takes the shot as well doesn't help Samba um, because it happens so quickly in, mm. a, in a congested area. And, you know, he took it brilliantly well. I just think he he loves these nights, these occasions. And especially after a week where some quotes were maybe taken out of context, um, you know, I, uh, he spoke about not, scoring goals or scoring goals not being his strong point mm. um but it looked pretty strong to me there um <laughs> so and i i just think 
the floodgates kind of opened and, and Lons were, were shell-shocked by then because I know we were basically scoring every shot we were taking, but we were just completely overwhelming them in possession territory and they couldn't handle us. They no. absolutely couldn't handle us. The third goal came from a long David Raya kick. I'm curious as to what you think about Raya's kicking last night because mm -hmm. he was doing that thing where he'd stand on the ball and he'd roll the ball under his foot, but then he'd go long. Mm -hmm. A lot of our goal kicks went long. 19 of his 26 passes last night were long balls. And, you know, there is this perception that Mikel Arteta wants his goalkeeper to play like three-yard pass here, three-yard pass there, boop, 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 tippy, tappy, whatever. But that wasn't evident last night in what David Raya was doing. And it felt very deliberate, you know, that that there was a, a plan maybe to stretch the Lons' defense with some of his kicking. And this is where the the third goal came from. Long ball towards Martinelli, bounced down. Havertz, as you already mentioned, did very, very well to win it. Played Martinelli. His shot hits the keeper or saved by the keeper. But Kiyosaka is there, rebounds off him and in. You know, look, one of those goals. I remember Thierry Henry scoring a couple like that in his time. Um it's a mm. reward for being in that position. It's the reward you get for for making the run to keep up with play and, and all the rest of it. But but the provenance of that goal was a long kick from David Raya. Yeah, I thought it was his best performance for Arsenal, actually. Uh, funnily enough, his other best performance was also in Europe um, at home against PSV in September. But I I think for the first time this season, I saw separation. Is that the right word between him and Aaron Ramsdale? Um, of course, game state played a part in this and that needs to be considered when you analyze every mm. any player or every player. But it was clear to me how intentional his positioning was during build-up, creating that extra player in our back line, whether he was drifting deep to the left or to the right. You know, there were even moments where he was telling the centre-backs to split because he wanted the ball. Mm. Um, and it wasn't always perfect. Um, I think his short passing was uh, fairly mixed. But as I and many others felt with Kieran Tierney, it just feels like this team is passing Ramsdale by at the moment. You know, and like you said, some of the long distribution, one in the second half, which was drilled straight through the centre of the pitch to Jesus, which mm. he controlled immaculately on his chest. And there was another one to Havertz which found him uh, on the left again in the second half. I just thought it was worth mentioning because for me, this was the first time I noticed separation and a real difference between the two. And for me, you know, it's becoming increasingly clear that David Raya is, is Arsenal's number one goalkeeper. But for me, that, that was a real statement performance from him dis despite the game state. Let's talk Bukayo Saka then. You know, this was yesterday. It was the fifth anniversary of his Arsenal debut, which also came in Europe. Mm -hmm. He's played five games in the Champions League. He's got four assists and three goals. So, you know. More than any other player. I am sort more, of. More direct goal contributions than any other player. Wow. I mean, I, I kind of am at a loss for what to say about Saka and what he produces mm -hmm. and how he makes it seem so effortless. Um, the goal, of course, was effortless. He just sort of ran and knocked off him and went in, but they, they all count. But as we talked about, the, the assist for Jesus was, was very deliberate as well. The ability to produce at this level, at Champions League level, albeit against teams like PSV, like Sevilla, like Lons, etc., you know, but these are what the group stages are about. These are where the biggest players have, you know, I won't say padded their stats, but, you know, this is how you, this is how you judge yourself. Can you do it at what is perceived to be the top, top level of, of football? And the numbers he's producing are just absolutely off the charts. It's amazing. And I'm glad you decided to mention him, to highlight him, because I think he deserves some flowers because... I think he's been suffering from Declan Rice-itis <laughs> in a sense of how we just expect him to contribute and how he continues to normalise what should not be considered normal. Mm. 
you know, and I'm not sure what Masadio Haidara was told by Frank Hayes before the game, but I'd advise him to pursue a career in the octagon um, <laughs> instead of at left back because he couldn't get close to Saka all half. Mm. And the only way he could stop him was to kick him. I mean, there were three or four times and they were big hits. You know, there was one right in the thigh. There, there was, was the other kick. one where they double teamed him, where he kind of went bang, bang yeah. into one. And I was looking at that because he it was one of those where when he got knocked by the first guy, the second guy's knee caught his knee. And it's one mm -hmm. of those where you go, ooh, that is actually how serious injuries can happen. You know, whatever about being shouldered one way, when you immediately get hit again by mm -hmm. another guy, it can be quite dangerous. And yeah, it was it was obvious the way they were targeting him. Yeah, and it, it just feels like every game he's on the floor, but he, he picks himself up and there's just a joyous inevitability to his game. And I think as teams have begun, or, sorry, begun to target him, to double up on him in an attempt to minimize his impact, mm. he has taken that into his stride so effortlessly. And I have never seen such a young player who can manage his gears so effectively in terms of knowing how to manage his physical output, knowing mm. when to spark into life and that ability to keep a cool head in the most difficult situations. I mean, even when he broke through as a left back, his footballing IQ was so abundantly clear. Mm -hmm. And already in the five years since his debut, we have watched him evolve two or three times as a player, mm -hmm. you know, almost like a Pokemon to match what our collective evolution as a team has needed from him. Mm. And what he has shouldered and continues to shoulder for Arsenal will never cease to amaze me. I mean, we're, we're so lucky to have him. And there was a really cool stat that came from, from, from the game yesterday. There have been just three players to score and assist in three consecutive Champions League home games since 2003. One of them is Karim Benzema. Another is Luis Suarez. And another is Bukayo Saka. That's decent you know, company to be keeping, isn't it? Decent company. Yeah. And I just think he is so incredibly consistent. And yeah, we're so, so lucky to have him. I mean, I think his, the, the fact that he sort of relishes the physical aspect of the game as well is that like it must be slightly demoralizing as a left back to sort of clatter into a guy and just see him get up and he goes, and he sort of limps a little bit and then he destroys you again or he pulls you mm -hmm. apart or he scores a goal or he makes an assist and I think he, he takes it kind of as a, a sort of a badge of honor in a way that he's able to withstand that treatment you know obviously all of us would prefer that that did not happen to him that he didn't get kicked the way that he got kicked but it is I think a, a reality of what the best players in football face and have always faced mm -hmm. you know from time immemorial the best players get kicked by the guys who can't get anywhere near them because they are so good. Used to happen to Thierry Henry, happened to Lionel Messi all the way through his oh, career. Man. You know. If you can find compilations of, uh, of early Lionel Messi when he broke through, I mean, every game was like a bloodbath. Yeah. He was coming with cuts, scratches, blood coming through his socks. I mean, same with, it was with Maradona. You know, it was exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. the same with Maradona. That like, okay, you are at a different level from me as a defender. The only way that I can deal with you is is to kick you. And I think that's kind of where we are with Bukayo Saka. But mm -hmm. this is a guy who's producing the kind of numbers that suggest a trajectory that is going very, very close to the to the top of the game in terms of elite talent. How are you going to stop that? You know, if you are with all due respect, a sort of average defender for an average team. You know, you could have a great day and you could play really well against him. You get your tackles in and you can muscle him off or whatever. But most of the time, he's going to get a lot of kicking. And that is just, unfortunately, something that he's going to have to deal with and Arsenal are going to have to deal with. The fact that it doesn't um, intimidate him in any way or, or stop him from doing what he wants to do with the ball, I think, is is exceptional. I did enjoy his um, quote afterwards on, on TNT Sport when he was being interviewed and he was taken off after 66 minutes and were you happy with that? And he said, no, not really. I wanted to play the 90 minutes, if, I, if I'm being honest. I understand the decision and now I'm focused on Wolves. But even that, you know, Arsenal are 5-0 up. We've got a big game at the weekend in the Premier League it is common sense for Mikel Arteta to take him off and he's not happy about it because he just wants to play and he wants to deliver and he wants to produce. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. he's a phenomenon.
He really is. Yeah, and it's it's quite funny because he probably got used to Arteta keeping him on for 90 minutes because he never takes him off otherwise. So, um, yeah, really, really good. And I think that's the kind of attitude you need. I think some people have taken issue with Arteta's treatment of Saka. I, I have at times as well because there have been occasions where he can barely walk, you know, and there's mm. still times where he's playing 90 minutes, 95 minutes every week. And I just think we need to be a little bit careful on that side, but also there is a uh, validity to what Arteta says mm -hmm. about the, the best players needing to play at the highest level every three or four days. That's yeah. just what they need to do. So as long as we're managing him carefully in the background, I've got no issues with him because his talent is clear to see, but I just think there's such a mature head on those shoulders that's clearly very grounded, but also with a quiet determination that leaves me in no doubt about where he is heading and where his trajectory yep, is headed. For sure. Let's talk about the pass of the game from Takahiro Tomiyasu, the most <laughs> perfectly disguised raking diagonal ball out to the wing, into the path of Gabriel Martinelli, not to his feet, not to his chest, but ahead of him. Tomiyasu trains with Martinelli every week, Every day, he knows how quick he is. He knows how on his toes he is. He knows the speed with which he can make up ground. The ball fell in midfield. And in a split second, our Japanese maestro said, you know what I'll do? I'll make them think I'm just going to hoof this upfield, disguised perfectly into the path of Martinelli. And from there, holy moly, you know what Martinelli did was, was outstanding as well. Yeah, forget Tony Cruz. We've got Tommy Cruz. I mean... <laughs> Get him in next to Declan Rice, please, Mikel Arteta. When we play PSV, I want to see him in that number six role. Um, <laughs> brilliant. I mean, it was it was just so funny because I I looked down for a second to to write something in the match report, and then I just see Tomiyasu cannon this ball out to the to the left side, and then all of a sudden the crowd's up and they're going whoa, you know, and it was <laughs> amazing. And I, I think you know we've spoken about. Havertz, we've spoken about Saka, but it almost feels unfair not to talk about Martinelli and Jesus because they were both brilliant as well on the night. I mean, Martinelli, just this bundle of energy. And actually, what is so underrated about this goal is the way he controls it, mm. this part, because it's coming so quickly and bouncing off a slick turf and he just gets his body there and it, and it, and it falls off his chest right down into his path and... It's amazing. You know, that I think it was Frankowski, the wing back, had a terrible first half against Martinelli. I mean, uh, we saw him decimate Juan Lu a couple of weeks ago, and now Frankowski had a really difficult first half. Just the way he can manipulate the ball, there's nothing fancy about it. And it almost looks a bit untidy, the way he dribbles with his head down and his back kind of hunched over. But just the way he can manipulate his body, manipulate the ball, those quick changes of direction. Mm. Um, you know, as soon as he cut inside there, it's a, a clinical, brilliant finish into the corner. And, you know, we were on fire at that point. You know, every touch, every pass, every counter attack was getting fans off their seats. And you could see for once the players just enjoying some freedom mm. instead of three defenders you know, and it was just so nice. I mean, that's, that's Lons's problem, not ours, but you know, it was just so nice to see them in a more high tempo, natural setting where they could really just show their, their attacking flair. Brilliant, really brilliant goal. And I think he deserved a goal on the night because he was electric again. For sure. He could have had an assist for Gabriel Jesus as well towards the end of the first half where I think he took a shot into uh, the side netting and probably should have yeah. squared it. You, and could, you could hear Jesus scream, Gabby, at him on the <laughs> on the microphone. <laughs> like You mentioned Jesus though. You mentioned Martin Ali. You mentioned how good they were. And look, you know, very slightly tongue-in-cheek comments about Tommy Asu uh, and that pass for the fourth goal. But... You know, I think in general, he had a he had a brilliant game. Tommy Asu was outstanding; he really was. And when you look at the fifth goal, bear in mind now, this is in the second minute of two minutes or three minutes of of injury time. I can't remember what mm -hmm. they had in the first half. Two, 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 two minutes. minutes. Yeah. So, Longs were up the other end of the pitch. We broke. Bakayo Saka picked the ball up, maybe ten yards outside the box. If you freeze frame that. 
Tommy Asu is in the Arsenal penalty area. I think what I love about this goal is the fact that it is in the second minute of two minutes of injury time in a game where we're 4-0 up. But the desire to go forward from Saka is obvious and he drives on. But the desire from Tommy Asu, not just to catch up with Saka, but to provide him with that overlap is unbelievable. Like he has literally sprinted from inside his own half all the way through, takes the pass from uh, Saka into their box, cross with his right foot, Odegaard as well, who, who arrives perfectly to drill it into the bottom corner. Just a very aesthetically pleasing goal because of how simple they make it look. But the reward is for the endeavor and for the uh, for the desire to do those hard yards because at that point of the first half, you could just say, yeah, just take it up to halfway and we'll get a throw in and we'll go in at halftime 4-0 up. Everybody's happy. But they weren't content with that. Completely. And I think a real sweet moment for, for Tomiyasu, actually, because we know how good he can be as the as the left back coming into invert you know a real shutdown defender and smart in possession who gives us a lot of balance in the back line we know that he can play well at center back for 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 us and for Japan you know very competent in the air strong distribution on both feet i just think at right back at times especially compared to ben white there has been a little bit lacking in the attacking sense maybe he doesn't overlap as much maybe his his final ball is not so strong. And especially in a week where Bakayo Saka has spoken about what he needs to face every week with two or three defenders, you know, crowding around him as soon as he's taking his first touch. For Tommy Asu to, to have such an encouraging offensive for, uh, performance, you know, he almost assisted Havertz for the, for the first header. There was an assist for, for Odegaard. You know, I, I think he showed a, a real willingness to get forward and not just get forward, but find players with his end product, mm. you know, and that cross was brilliant. Yeah. He'd, he'd made what, 70, 80 yards there. Uh, the pass from Saka is perfectly weighted, perfectly timed, but it's just floated in such a lovely area where it could have been one of Jesus, Martinelli or Odegaard coming onto that. It just happened to be Odegaard who, who comes onto it and hits a... You know, the technique on that volley is just perfect. Yeah, that's great. Um, so hard and low into, into the corner. I mean, Samba has no chance of getting there. It's just a brilliant move, an amazing counterattack. And it just summed up that first half performance. You know, such a strong focus on the offensive. Players willing to get up and help in support. And, you know, it was kind of the maximizing the antithesis of what we've had to face every week for yeah. the past two and a half months where we've had to fight and scrap and look for any margin possible to win games. And today they were, like I said before, they were just afforded an inch by Lons and we really took a mile. And it was brilliant to see him contribute in an attacking sense because we've seen him play really well this season in at left back and at centre back, but it was good to see him contribute here as well because I think with Ben White out injured in these last few weeks, he's really come in and, and been a, a solid, strong presence. Yeah, and he did only play 45 minutes in this game, still made yes. three key passes. And, and this, I think, is a very interesting... Well, the second half, you know, everyone knew it was game over. There, there was no way uh, it mm -hmm. was going anywhere else. It was about what we did in the second half and how we managed the game. And I think, I think this is interesting because Tommy Asu and Zinchenko have been, I think, as I said... Um, in the blog today, sort of injury adjacent without being, you know, out injured for a long time. They both feel like players whose minutes you've got to manage. So mm -hmm. I thought the subs were, were interesting in that regard. He brings on Ben White. Ben White's been out for a few weeks. Give him some minutes. Useful. Jakub Kivior, a player who needs minutes, right? And, and this is an opportunity to give him minutes. And we can come to the young guys on the bench uh, in a little bit, because I know that everyone's talking about Ethan Waneri and Miles Lewis Skelly and all the rest of it. But I think what we saw from this second half was A, an Arsenal team that were capable of just controlling a game in second gear. Lons really didn't offer very much at all. We uh, just, as I said, controlled it. We've We've talked about control in this Arsenal team a lot. But the substitutions that the manager made, like, 
for all the romanticism of bringing on a 16-year-old and a 17-year-old because you're 5-0 up, right? I get that completely, 100%. But at the same time, people are going, you can't play Saka for 90 minutes. You can't play, why play Declan Rice? You can't leave mom for (laughs) 90 minutes. Don't play Gabriel Jesus for 90 minutes. Even Martin Odegaard, who he couldn't take off, you know, he said these minutes were useful for him. He said he was feeling fine. We left him on because he he needed to get the minutes and and the the, uh, match fitness and all the rest of it. So I'm just curious as to, to what you think about that, because... Like I said, the romantic idea is to bring on these young guys and let them have a run and everyone's cheering and all the rest of it. But he has to kind of think about the players who are going to be a bit more useful for him this season. Nguyenary and Lewis Skelly are developing, the 16 and 17 respectively. Their time will come. You know, if they keep going on this trajectory, their their time will come. But mm-hmm. come the weekend against Wolves, it might be a case that you need... Reese Nelson. It might be a case that you need Jakob Kivior. You're taking Declan Rice off. You're putting Jorginho on because you're protecting Rice. You're taking um, Gabriel Jesus off and putting Eddie and Keddie on because you're protecting Gabriel Jesus. And the bigger picture of, of that game scenario last night was about the rest of what we've got to do this season rather than sort of going sentimental, which we know that's not really Arteta's thing. Um, I, I think his decisions were made with the wider context of this season in mind, rather than just saying, oh, look, we're 5-0 up, let's throw a couple of kids on and have a laugh. Yeah, and maybe not even the bigger picture for the rest of the season. I think the next month is hugely taxing physically and mentally you know, for any squad in English football. The Christmas period is notoriously hectic and busy, you know, and ultimately these guys need minutes. Obviously, at home, you're 5-0 up. You would love to see Miles Lewis Skelly come on and get a couple of no-touch turns in and, mm. and you know, Nwaneri, can he get close to goal and maybe um, fire off a shot or have a nice moment of skill. I think it's worth noting as well that these two have just come back from Indonesia um, playing in ridiculous temperatures and humidity for, for England at the Under-17 World Cup. Um, where they eventually lost to Uzbekistan, by the way. Um, But, you know, we shouldn't underestimate that. It's a long trip. They they will be jet lagged. Uh, They were playing in difficult conditions. I think the overall experience of having them around the first team and even on the bench for this match day is Mm. just hugely valuable anyway. And... Yeah, people need to just sit, take a step back and remember how young these guys are for a second, you know? Yeah. So their time will come, like you said, if they're good enough and if they're on the right track, they will get moments. Um, I mean, so potentially, I'm not about that at all. potentially yeah. it could happen in the next round because, or the next game. Because, Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're going to PSV. We've won the group. That PSV game comes before, I think we play Brighton at home. We play PSV on the Tuesday. We play Brighton at home on the, on the Saturday. Mm-hmm. So... Look, I don't think Mikel Arteta is going to pick like a weak team. He's going to pick a team to try and win that game because that's what mm-hmm. he he wants to do. You know, he wants that winning culture. It does give him scope to make a few changes. And it does give him scope, let's say, if the scoreline is favorable in the last 20 minutes of that game to say, here you go, lads. You know, this is what we think of you. Um, have a little run out here and that opportunity may still be there for them. But I agree with you. I mean, I I think even just being with the squad last night, experiencing a Champions League match day and everything else that goes with it will be, um, will be something that stands them in good stead. Yeah. And also it's, it's great for them to be able to see a pathway. You know, we spoke about them being hail enders, you know, Lewis Skelly and Waneri, but who played yesterday? Bukayo Saka. He's from Hayland. Mm-hmm. Reese Nelson came off the bench. Eddie and Ketia came off the bench. So it's also good for them to see what is on offer or what could be there for them in 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 a few years' time, you know? And I think after the the most recent international break, it was 10, 10 games in 36 days mm. um, that we would need to play. I mean, we need Kivior. We need Nelson sharp and ready to come on and contribute if needed. We need Jorginho to come on and contribute if needed. Um, and there were even people like Trossard who didn't come off the bench yesterday. You know, it's just sensible squad management. And I know the 
you know, you put it perfectly. The romantic idea would have would have been to see these guys come on, and I would have loved it too. Mm. But ultimately, I'm willing to be a bit patient to understand the situation and just say, look, their time will come. There was uh, a much bigger need to manage the squad, and also Tomiyasu. We spoke about him steaming forward in in the 47th minute. Just manage those hamstrings a bit, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Zinchenko. We know a calf is never far away from from twanging mm-hmm. just just get him off the pitch you yeah. know uh so it was the perfect chance to do it he did it and you know no issue with with what happened yesterday no. uh, Jorginho got the sixth from the penalty spot a handball um i thought he clattered martinelli in the jaw yeah. actually i was wondering like is the penalty for the hit or but they decided it was for handball mm-hmm. um what did you make of the little bit before with with Erdegaard? did you think Erdegaard wanted to take it or um, I think or was it like a little so. move to take some pressure off? I mean, I, there wasn't really any pressure in that moment. No, I, I think he's like missed four penalties in a row or something, Jorginho. Is it? He's missed yeah, like he, for, yeah, for, he, Italy. for Italy. Yeah. So I think mm-hmm. maybe he just wanted to um, re- regain some confidence from the penalty spot, perhaps. And he didn't do his like. Remember when he played for Chelsea and he'd score a penalty against you? The little hop, skip, skippity uh, hoppity jump. jumping thing. You know, none of that. He just sort of you know, rolled in, tucked it away. Mm -hmm. Very nice. Players looked very happy for him as well, which is nice to see. Um, You know, a nice moment for him. Um, 6-0 in the end. And Arsenal topped the group. Top of Group B. We scored 12 at home, conceded none. We had that game in Lons, which didn't go the way we wanted it to go. But how do you, I know the group stage is not over, but how do you, how do you, uh, view qualification from this group and the manner in which we've done it on our first Champions League uh, campaign for six years or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, it is a different level. It is, the demands are higher. The pressure is higher. And, you know, I think there were and probably will continue to be, depending on how far we go in this competition, some questions about Mikel Arteta's uh, record in Europe. You know, still a very relatively young manager, with not huge experience in Europe, but I don't think you could have really asked for two more from this group stage. Obviously, the defeat in Lons was not brilliant, but you know there were some circumstances there where um, you can sort of understand why a game went the way it went. Completely, and and also six different scorers on the night, which mm. was uh, really good to see. I mean, you you made a really interesting point there to say that it was our first time you know, with this group, with this manager, uh, we're all learning. Arteta's learning, the players are learning. And yes, the group was maybe kind. Uh, I think compared to other groups, we, we maybe got a favorable draw, especially to see not just the teams involved, but also their circumstances. I mm. think Sevilla have struggled a lot this season. They've even changed manager. I think Lons have had a bit of a hangover from last season, even though their form has picked up in, in recent weeks. I think they're unbeaten in their last five in the league. Um, you know, we've, we've had to, even PSV, yes, they're scoring a lot of goals, but an Eredivisie team should not be giving us too much trouble. So mm. to be the favourites, we've come in dispatched of of each team really well. Uh, we've won our home games, which is is so important in the Champions League. I cannot stress how important that is to win your home games. Um, and it's just been really impressive. Uh, I mean, the goal difference uh, in our group is is really funny as well because we've just completely uh, dominated everybody. Mm. I mean, we've got a 12-goal difference. PSV in second place are on minus two. Lons in third are on minus six. And Sevilla in, in last place are on minus four. So it just shows you how... Um, dominant we've been and for Mikel Arteta to take us through this Champions League group stage with such ease maybe is not the right word but yeah, we've, I know we've controlled yeah. we've controlled it um it's we had the, the small hiccup away in France which I think was an important lesson for this team about how even your standards dropping by five or ten percent can can mean defeat in Europe uh, especially away from home and I think they would have taken that on board but in terms of how it could have gone, I don't think we, we could have asked for much more. This is a group, a young group that's learning with each other, building with each other. Um, we've seen some incredible performances. And also what I've enjoyed seeing is players stepping up. 
You know, we well, know that yeah. Bukayo Saka is talented. We know that Gabriel Martinelli is talented. We know that Declan Rice is talented. Jesus, Saliba, Gabriel. But this feels like a stage for these players and their talents, you know, and to just kind of ease them in this way. How do, how do you feel about this season's competition? Because I look at the teams in in here. Obviously, there's Real Madrid, there's Man City. You know, you have Atletico who are always going to be in and around there. I I have us up there. You know, I, I've got. It's just in the back of my mind. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's, it's how well, there's no reason why we we can't have serious. Um, what's the word? Ambitions, ambitions. to win this thing. Well, yeah, sure. Why not? Why not? I mean, look it'll all come down to the draw or how well course, you do in the knockout course. stage. Once it gets to knockout stages, there's a certain jeopardy, of course. But, like, I don't, you know, the idea that um, you would face a Bayern Munich or a Barcelona or a Real Madrid and sort of think, well, we, we need a miracle mm -hmm. to get through a game like that, as has been the case in seasons in the past. We need, like, a, a miracle. We don't need to get beaten 5-1 home and away, that kind of thing. You know, I don't think that gap is as big anymore. And it's, I suppose, a testament to, you know, how much we've progressed in the last two years. That, like, I can remember having conversation with uh, conversation with James on the Arscast Extra and, and talking about, you know, Liverpool and Manchester City and saying, God, we've got such a long way to go to be mm -hmm. even in their ballpark. And now we're up there with them. And I think that also has to apply to Europe, when you look at the team, when you look at the players, you look at the squad, you look at the individual talent and the collective talent, look, I'm not saying it's easy or anything like that. Far from it. It's going to be extremely difficult because, you know, this is this is basically the top level of, of European football. It is always going to be difficult. But you look at how some of the other English teams in the Champions League have been doing and not doing. And, you know, I think that tells you something about what the standard is like in this competition, Right that the flaws in your squad will get exposed if you have them. Whether you're playing Copenhagen, whether you're playing Galatasaray, whatever it might be, you know, you can get exposed if you're not at the top of your game or if there are things that are wrong about your team or your squad or your approach, they will be highlighted and, you know, you'll get taken uh, to task. And I think what's encouraging about this group stage from an Arsenal perspective is that with relatively little Champions League experience in the squad, Okay, Zinchenko, mm -hmm. Jesus, Saliba had a year, didn't he, with Marseille? Mm -hmm. um, Havertz played in Champions League for for Chelsea. And Jorginho played, you know, that's it. They're the only players yeah. who had Champions League experience. Mm -hmm. Everyone else is in this competition for the first time. You know, and I think that's what's really encouraging about it is is that we have come a long, long way and I don't want to get into the whole discussion about expectations and, and all the rest of it. But when you look at the other teams and when you look at what we've done, you know, taking into account the knockout football can lift you up and knock you down in a second. You know, I don't really see a raft of teams that we should be absolutely afraid of. Are there teams that will be extremely difficult to beat? Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel about it the same way I felt. I don't have any sort of inferiority complex about what we're capable of doing if we can uh, play to the standards I, I know we're capable of. Not at all. Completely agree. And I think Tim Stillman um, tweeted yesterday, and, I, and I, I thought it summarized the situation perfectly. He said, Arsenal are top of the league and have won their Champions League group at a canter. Mikel Arteta has taken Arsenal so, so far away from where he found them and he doesn't get enough credit for it, in my opinion. And I, I, and I just think that summarised mm. the situation perfectly. Yeah. Where we've come in the last two years has been nothing short of exceptional. And I'm so excited and happy to be going on this journey with this team because... Oof, we've had some we've had some dark days. Yeah, I mean, with players that we haven't liked and managers that we haven't liked. Um, but yeah, it's just been brilliant, and I think the whole process has been one where players have shown their their stuff, been able mm -hmm. to strut their stuff on the biggest stage, but also have learned so much. And I'm 
absolutely at a point now, like you just said, where I, I could see the draw and be like, look, let's puff our chests out and, and take anybody on because we're absolutely good enough to be here. And, and why can't we have serious ambitions about winning mm. this thing, you know? Let's have a go. Let's have a go. I mean, that's what this squad is being built for and has been built for, not mm -hmm. just to win the Premier League, but to compete in the Champions League as well. And, you know, so far, so good in, in that regard. Um, the opposite of so far, so good is um, <laughs> Manchester <laughs> United. seamless segue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was extremely funny last night. United scored two unbelievable goals. Mm -hmm. to go 2-0 up against Galatasaray. But their self-destruct ability, <laughs> their their goalkeeper, I really, really enjoyed Bruno Fernandes talking about taking responsibility for you know the positions that they get themselves in in games while giving away two of the most stupid free kicks you'll ever see from which um, Galatasaray scored. I mean, I think he's probably right to expect his goalkeeper to do better on at least one of those. But 3-1 up, and they draw 3-3, and they're in real danger of, you know, finishing bottom of that group. I mean, at this point, I just think it's some some kind of performance art. It's just so funny who, you know, Manchester United, despite their surprisingly good league form are just the gift that keep on giving in Europe. I mean, they've they've conceded 14 goals in the Champions League this season, the most they've ever conceded in a single group stage. And there's still one more game to play. <laughs> I mean, even in all competitions, that's 33 goals conceded now this season, the most in their opening 20, 20 matches of any season since 1963. Wow. Wow. You know. What about the it, um what about the equalizer for Galatasaray? <laughs> Holy it's a shit, that's a goal. brilliant Jesus. goal, isn't it? The first I mean, touch? The yeah, yeah, first yeah. touch on that is unbelievable. It's a brilliant strike and I saw people having a go at Onana for that one, you no. know, being at his near post. No, no chance. No, 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 no. The two free kicks? Yes. I mean, it's like he's allergic to the ball. He, he finds himself in such weird body positions where mm. his weight is not in the right place and he's so slow to react. I mean, this is like the third time that the ball has squirmed underneath him, this this Champions League campaign. It's like, what are you doing? Mm. Um, it, it was so funny to see a, an article in The Guardian um, earlier on Wednesday about him finding his feet at, at <laughs> Manchester United. And I think Paddy Arsenal on Twitter was the one that said, well, yeah, he just needs to find his hands now. Um, <laughs> because, I mean, the first one I can understand maybe at a push. If you're deceived by maybe some swerve on the ball, were you a bit unsighted? The strike was okay from Ziyech. But the second one, oh my goodness me. I mean, mm. terrible. Terrible, terrible, terrible. And I, I, I just think it's so funny because the media were just so focused on making Onana work as being this revolutionary goalkeeper who can uh, change United and, and play out from the back. And he can. I mean, there was a really funny Cruyff turn on halfway where he completely did. I think it was Mauro Icardi. Um, but they, they were so desperate for him to work. And I was immediately taken back to the the game that we played against United at the Emirates where you know, I think he made about 807 passes in his own third. And yeah. talking about how, you know, he was revolutionizing goalkeeping and, and Manchester United. And it's just a load of rubbish. You know, he's just letting in easy goals every single week, parrying shots straight into the center of his penalty box every week. And I mean, long may it continue. It's just brilliant. For That's sure. what they need. A very stable back four with Harry Maguire, uh, Victor Lindelof, Ara, uh, you know, Diogo Dallo needs a, a strong, secure goalkeeper like uh, Andre Onana there, and it's brilliant. You know, they've scored three goals in three of their five group stage games this season, and they've failed to win any of them. I mean, that tells you tells you just so much about what they're capable <laughs> I mean, of as a team. This is what I mean, that if you have those weaknesses, whether it's Copenhagen or whether it's Galler, whatever about Bayern Munich, Copenhagen and Galatasaray, you know, I'm not 
dismissing them by any means, but those are not teams that, you know, you should be dropping points to if you're Manchester but They United. weren't even good yesterday, Galatasaray. They were really good at Old Trafford, I thought, but yesterday they weren't. I and mean, they were so open. It was a crazy game. Like the, the highlights, yeah, yeah, saw yeah. the highlights after our game and, you know, United hit the post and there was another shot just wide and um, Lucas Torreira was sort of wiggling around on his back like an upturned <laughs> turtle at one point, presenting a chance to, was it Palestri or whatever his name is? Yes. And, yeah, yeah. and you know, they were a shambles. Like Galatasaray mm-hmm. were a shambles and United should have scored more goals. But they Absolutely. didn't. And now they have to beat, um, they th- probably have to beat Bayern Munich at home, isn't it? In the final game. I mean, you'd think so. You'd think so. Funny. Um, And just very briefly, there was a moment in the first half of our game where the ball hit Kai Havertz and hit his arm. And there was a VAR check for a penalty. And rightly, they decided that that wasn't a penalty. Mm -hmm. But from across the Irish Sea, I could hear this (laughs) strange wailing noise. It came in through the window. And I think it was all of Newcastle complaining that such a thing had happened to them in their game against PSG. And I thought, tough shit, you fuckers. I mean, fuck you, Alan Shearer. <laughs> you know, talking about the, you know, what, what did he tweet? It was like, well played ref after they beat us. And now it's mm. just, you know, uh, give me all of those tears. You know, it's just amazing. The, I, could, I could feel the fume the collective mm. fume. I mean, that energy could have powered a, a small town in England, I think. Mm. Um, it was just amazing. And, but to be honest, I yes, the penalty was ridiculous and really unfortunate for Tino Livramento, who was excellent on the night. But also, PSG completely steamrolled them in that second half. And eventually, pressure like that will tell. Mm. They missed so many chances. I mean, Bradley Barkala, who's a really exciting young player by all accounts, he missed three or four golden opportunities. Dembele missed two or three. Mbappe smashed one at Nick Pope and then fired another one wide. I mean, it was ridiculous. The second half was just ridiculous. Mm. Um, so I've got no sympathy for those those freaks. Um because they were the ones giving it all the, oh, but I didn't see it. And the referee, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, yeah, enjoy it now because it's just incredible. Um, I mean, 31 shots in total in that game, uh, PSG had. uh, 17 uh, of those shots came in the second half as well. Well, there you go. You know? You know, and and that group is, is shaping up to be incredibly tasty on mm. the last game uh, because Dortmund have already qualified I think um, yeah they can't be caught so they're, they're, they've been, they're qualified already but now between PSG Newcastle and Milan any of them can still go through mm. so so final um, games in that group are Dortmund versus PSG and Newcastle versus Milan uh, mm-hmm. at St. James's Park so um, may there be another VAR uh, controversy <laughs> involving Newcastle in which they come out on the wrong side of it. Um, we can but hope. But look, we better leave it there. As ever, Phil, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. It's a brand new year, and what better time to get going with that online store you've been thinking of? Those I was there when Arsenal actually scored a goal t-shirts would fly off the shelves right now. And to get yourself up and running, you need Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way through to the did we hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort with thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Thank you very much indeed to Phil. You can find him on Twitter. He is at underscore Phil Costa, at underscore Phil Costa. And of course, you can hear him on The 30, the podcast that we do over on Patreon, in which we take a look back at all the weekend's Premier League action, usually Mondays or Tuesdays. You can join us for that every week at patreon.com forward slash arsblog, which is where tomorrow we will be looking ahead to the Wolves game this weekend. A chance for three more points, but it's going to be tough as every Premier League game is. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Mikel Arteta's press conference and all the rest. Uh, Friday afternoon, join us for that over on Patreon. Myself and Lewis Ambrose will be there for that. And of course, we will have an Arscast Extra for you this week, coming a little bit early. We'll have it for you on Sunday this week. So play Wolves on Saturday and we will have the Arscast Extra for you on Sunday. So please do join myself and James for that. In the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend and we will catch you on the next one. Until then, cheers. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.